host, Brenda Close. And I'm your co-host, Kaylee Smalley. And this is our podcast, Treasuring Education. Education. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bridging the Parent Gap for Educators. Today, we have a topic that's close to both of our hearts, effective communication, active listening, and building rapport in parent-educator interactions. It's how we begin to partner with parents. Yes, as educators, we've seen the power of active listening and rapport building firsthand. So let's begin today by considering why effective communication matters so much in education. It's not just about sharing information, it's about building connections that support students' growth and success. And at the heart of effective communication lies active listening. Mm -hmm. It's about being present, being understanding, and then truly engaging with what the other person is saying. And as educators, we're not just teaching, we're also learning from parents' insights. Active listening is a teacher's expectation in classroom discussions, but if we're being completely honest, how actively do we listen to our parents? Right. It's easy to call home with a list of things we want them to know, but it's not as easy to then listen, especially when we're watching the clock and thinking about all the other families we need to call and all the other things that we need to do in our classrooms. You're so right. We can get used to being the relayers of information, but when we talk with parents, we have to shift a bit and become learners. When parents see that we're genuinely listening, it creates a collaborative environment where we can work together for the benefit of the child. You know, what's fascinating is what we can learn about active listening from the customer service industry, which emphasizes the importance of understanding and empathy. And customer service statistics show that businesses that prioritize that active listening see a significant boost in customer satisfaction. Um, And when I worked in that industry, we had about three weeks of training before ever speaking to a live customer. And then 80 hours of that was on that general customer service. 40 of it was on the actual product and services. These same customer service principles apply to communication with our parents and even in our personal interactions. For our purposes, satisfied parents are more likely to engage and support the school community. Okay, let's get practical now. How can educators implement active listening techniques to build rapport with parents? Well, one technique that works wonders is reflective listening. When we reflect and summarize what parents are saying, it shows them that we are truly engaged and looking to understand what it is that they're trying to convey. Exactly. And it's important that we actually use the same words that parents are using when we reflect and not paraphrase, but literally reflect those words for them. And don't forget about verbal communication mirroring. This is where we adopt similar language patterns, tone, pace, and keywords used by the parent. It's a subtle yet powerful way to create a connection. We will break down some of these trade secrets in our video. So now let's talk about overcoming common challenges. Time constraints and assumptions can often get in the way of effective communication. But by managing our time wisely and being aware of our biases, we can overcome these challenges. Yes, time is always a big issue for educators. However, talking to parents has such an impact on our students that it must be part of our regular schedule. And as important as dedicated time to interact with parents is that other challenge, our assumptions and biases. Educators don't have biases. We're all completely objective, and we don't let our personal beliefs interfere with our communication. 
Yeah, right. (laughs) Although we probably all like to think that, if we're honest with ourselves, we can identify our individual biases and work to overcome them in our conversations. We can even identify the assumptions we project with just a little work. It's so true. And our assumptions and biases can show up in the strangest ways. The phrases we use, the attention we give, and even mistakenly assuming that our values are the correct universal values shared by everyone in our community. Mom, tell me about the time that you shooed students down the hallway again. Sure. Well, as you know, I was the new white female teacher in that big high school with a significant minority population. Between classes, us teachers stood out in the hallway to monitor traffic and to chat with students. And as passing period was ending, there were these two boys hovering around my door just talking. I approached them and kind of flicked my wrists and said, shoo, shoo, the bell's about to ring. Don't be late. One of them squarely faced me and said, what did you say? I was kind of taken aback and I just told him, get to class. Then the other boy said, just because we're not white doesn't mean you can shoo us away like a fly in the fields. Yikes, is that what you really meant? Of course not. I spent some time, even after the bell, to apologize and explain what I actually meant. I remember you used to shoo my brother and I out the door when you were trying to work on your college classes at home. It was like a, shoo, go play. So how is that a bias in this context? Well, my background with the word shoe, S-H-O-O, comes from one of my favorite childhood books about three kittens whose mother shooed them out of the house to go play. My mom and grandma used the phrase in that context all the time. I thought of it as a loving and kind phrase and gesture to get them to where they needed to be. That wasn't the student's background with the phrase, though, was it? Clearly not. I felt awful, I apologized, and I thanked them for talking with me about it, because they spent some time chatting with me in the hall. I think I ended up walking them to their class. I was horrified how my words had been misinterpreted. So even though you weren't biased against them or their race, your words led them to believe you were. That's exactly right. And the point is, even when we do our best to park our assumptions and biases in our interactions... Sometimes elements of our backgrounds and culture leak through. In this case, I was actually trying to convey the value of timeliness, but it came through as something completely different. I can see that. And I think it's a great example, too, of really listening and having empathy and then learning from those experiences. Our words and behaviors carry meanings that may go beyond our intentions, depending on the people on the other side of the interaction. By the way, those boys, although I never think I had them as students in my own classroom, they smiled and they waved whenever we saw each other in the hallway. It was, it was nice. That's good. So in conclusion, remember that these techniques go beyond just having the skills. They're about building relationships of trust and understanding. When we listen actively and add the mirroring effectively, we're building these important partnerships with our parents. That's right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in today, and we will see you next time for a discussion on parent meetings. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform to get notifications of our next podcasts, and sign up for our newsletter at www.treasuringeducation.com.